Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snedden. Now I'm Rob Olson. The book we're going to be talking about tonight is The Familiar, Volume 2, Into the Forest, by Mark Z. Danielewski. And here is, I really got the easy part this episode because I get to do his bio. You hey, I that. think your uh, your whatever's in the microwave's done. Yeah, is the you know I'm making some hot pockets. <laughs> so, do you want us to, to pause, or I can read a, the synopsis? You could eat your hot pocket, or no, that's fine. Um, they they, if you eat a hot pocket right away, you're, you're gonna burn a hole in your face. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Oh, you want me to? I see what it is. <laughs> I watch. I've been watching a lot of YouTube, um, like reviews and stuff lately, and um. God damn it, it's amazing how many people don't think to like close their Facebook page before they do one. Because you know they're sitting in front of a computer and you can just hear that that little Facebook ding notification. Yeah. They're always like, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. And they go on and it happens again like four minutes later. And it's like, dude, you fucking know it's going to happen, right? Yep, just close Wait. It's the window, man. Close so I'm, all that, I'm that guy right now. Yep. <laughs> you're, yeah, the guy, you're the guy I'm wishing hot, hot pockets on. <laughs> the... The torture of I'm not I'm not really making hot pockets. I had I had pizza earlier. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to say hot pockets because it sounds like you know that's what I would eat when I was like in eighth grade or whatever. Uh, the familiar volume two. <laughs> Here is a bio for Mark Z. Danielewski, which I did read at the back of the book, but I put it down and I think I can remember it. It is Mark Z. Danielewski was born in New York City and now lives in Los Angeles. Did I get that right? You did. Ding. <sighs> Ding. Uh, Hot pockets are done. Correct answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, nice little bio for, for him. If you don't know anything about Mark Z. Danielewski, go do some research and come back. Um, Rob, you teased this yeah. book on the Book Podcast Listening Group about as, um, that's what I'm looking for, unsuccessfully as I've ever seen anything. <laughs> I know. I thought I was being so clever. <laughs> I could have done the two. I flipped the photo around so that it, it reads the right way. I could have done it the... Ah, that would have been easy, too. I don't know. There was... I don't know. I just I, don't know. It was a great idea. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, like, three seconds later, someone's like, the familiar. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's right. <laughs> so here is the synopsis for The Familiar from uh, Amazon.com. In the familiar volume two, Into the Forest, the lives of the disparate and dynamic nine characters introduced in one rainy day in May begin to intersect in inexplicable ways, finding harmonies and echoes in each other. What once seemed remote and disconnected draws closer, slowly, steadily, towards something inevitable. At the center of it all is Xanther, a 12-year-old girl for whom the world around her seems to be opening, exposing doors and windows, visions and sounds, questions and ideas previously unknown. With each passing day, she begins to glimpse something she does not understand but unequivocally craves. The only thing that will bring her relief and keep her new friend alive. Dum, dum, How do you feel about that synopsis, having finished reading the book? Because I'm assuming you didn't read it before you read the book. No, no. Um, I, I don't find it... Um, I don't know. I, I guess I don't find it very accurate. It's too vague. Well, it's really vague, and it talks about like how their lives begin to intersect in inexplicable ways, and I don't think there was very much intersection at all, really. I mean, I'm going to disagree of, with you on there that. There are a couple of spoilery things, maybe, that that pop up, but I don't know. I guess we'll talk about it. Let's talk about it, shall Let's we? Let's talk about it. Yeah, so, um, ooh, do you know if this chronologically fits right after the Familiar Volume 1? Did you look at that? It does. Okay. It does. It picks up like like day two of them having that cat. Oh, okay. Xanther's family. Yeah, it's May 15th, 2014 um, in the book. Which, first of all, before we get into it, can I just say how cool it is to have a book that got, you know, that you're reading that has just really, really recent pop, pop culture references? Yes. Like, I'm reading stuff and I'm like, okay, so yeah, five ten was the last book, so this is like four days later. Um, I'm reading stuff and I'm like, this is stuff that's happening right now. Yeah, it is very cool, and and um, we recently talked about this too. I think it was oh zeros, our review for zeros by Chuck Wendig. How nice it was to see things that are named that we actually use. Yeah, um, but it was also interesting to see a little bit how some things got um, like at one point someone suggests that they use a program called My Ways, 
yeah. for app. So there are a couple of things that I caught that were changed just enough that I don't know, maybe it wasn't going to be some kind of weird copyright infringement or something to use. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it is very cool, and it's a very it's a very digitally connected book in in great part to Xanther, who's a 12 year old girl but anwar her stepfather is um is a programmer so he's really into video games and technology and stuff so so it's a very digitally current connected story yeah yes which is cool so this is going to be a challenge and i think this is why livius um doesn't like to do sequels is we already talked about the first book in another episode, so we could either talk a lot about the first book so that you understand what's going on in the second book, or we just start talking about the second book, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to strongly recommend that if you're going to listen to this, and I hate to turn listeners away, go back and listen to the other one, because really none of this is going to make sense to you. I just listened to that episode before we started, because I'm a professional, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was our... What Rob was implying is he knows there's no chance I listened to that episode today. Or yesterday. Well, no, I was calling other people. Well, I, I mean, I really was just kind of patting my own back. You know, I'm okay. a fucking narcissist. <laughs> yeah, we, this picks up right where it left off. So the, the long and the short of it is Xanther has found a cat um, that took 800 pages um, for her to find in the first book. Um, she found it on the street. Um, there's a, it, it was, um, very, very ill. It had been, um, kind of battered and, uh, uh, Xanther takes it home and that's really all you need to know about the first book. Um, well, do, no, well, can, we can talk about her family. Like, um, Anwar, the programmer was just on the verge of a windfall, um, with his new program that he was making and that kind of fell apart yep. and a stare had just turned in her basically thesis for her degree and um, that didn't turn out well either. So things kind of got really falling apart at the end of the, the first book. That's true. I mean, I guess that as stare thing was the whole first book. I think that actually started with that, but yeah. yeah. So there's that. Um, some of the other characters will kind of go through it. So Astaire is the mother, Xanther's mother, Anwar is the stepdad. Um, Luther is a, um, a local gang leader and, and drug dealer. Um, Osger, who is a uh, detective. Schnork, who is a taxi cab driver. Jing Jing, um, and again, this is spoiler if you haven't read the first book. Jing Jing is in Singapore and is um, the nephew of the original owner of the cat. Uh, the, the most recent owner of the cat, let's say it that yeah. way. Um, all right, I'm still not clear on Isendorno. Can you Do you want to do Isendorno? Because I'm not really... <laughs> Uh, Isadorno is essentially uh, in the first book kind of travels throughout South America and is the employee of this person called the mayor and I think he's kind of like just like a train like a hired thug right like muscle yeah I kept getting hitman feeling but yeah he he definitely is a very works seems to be very localized to the, the mayor he does the dirty stuff yeah um, the wizard, which is um, a woman who has an orb that can see things. Mm-hmm. And then and my then, favorite character, TF Narcon Nine. Um, Narcon being a combination of the words narrative and construct. TF Narcon Nine, thirty nine three, and twenty seven are three different narrative constructs that basically like add color commentary <laughs> throughout the book. Um, Typically giving uh, context to um, unclear parts of the book or uh, correcting errors, translating text, but basically just clarifying things. TF Narcons have done a shitty job adding clarity to some of this book. Let me just go ahead and say oh, that right no. now. <laughs> so we're you don't shit on the narrative constructs. <laughs> you don't shit on the narrative constructs. Um, in the notes, Rob, is a reminder for me, I think, put in that Daniel Lewski had said, it's okay not to understand everything. Yeah. And I think that's a reminder for me that it's okay that I have entire passages and sections of this book where I kind of threw my hands up in the air. I was like, I don't know what just happened there. Like everything Jing Jing? Yeah, Jing Jing. If you didn't listen to the first review or you're not familiar with it, Jing Jing speaks in, oh God, I had it 
right on the tip of my tongue. What's it called? Singlish. Singlish, which is a combination of Singapore and English, I guess. Singaporean, sing, whatever. Singlish. <laughs> Singlish, which is uh, 80% English, yeah. 20% gibberish is how it reads. Like it, It's like, yeah, it's like if you met someone who was raised in Singapore but taught themselves English because they were like abandoned on a farm and never had human contact contact. Pretty much. That's what this is, right? Am it I close? Occurred, yeah. It occurred to me <laughs> what, what, what this is. This is now the version of if my, uh, let's say my, my parents and I went to Romania and someone listened to a conversation <laughs> because sometimes it's just easier to use the English word for things. Yeah. Like I, I would never say prevalia. I would say store. So I would say something like, hi, submit him, la store. So it'd kind of be like Singlish. Right. And there's a little Romanian lesson for you guys. Romanican? Romanican. Is it Romanian? Nice. Very nice. I like that too. That should be a sticker. You're you're a number one Romanican. That's right. So yeah. So those parts are are jumbled at best. And that doesn't help that he's trying to like find drugs and get high. Because you know, when that guy gets high, we're not going to understand anything at all. Yeah, yeah. So there is... Alright, so it, it is nice that Danielewski basically gave us permission to not understand everything. Um, but I think there's a flaw in that. And the oh, okay. And, and I know we're kind of... We're not talking much about the story, but like the flaw is... If I know I, I don't have to try to understand everything... Now I'm just like, well, why don't you cut it down to the stuff that I need to know? Right, and that's probably going to come up a little later in this episode because I have a, a similar feeling <laughs> about this. Um, so we pick yeah. up with Xander, um, and uh, I believe the first passage is actually Anwar. But basically, um, you know, as Rob had mentioned, four days later, cat's um, not doing so well, and for the most part, we need to get the cat to a vet because Xander's going to lose her shit now. Astaire hates the cat, hates the concept of the cat, and she's not a big fan, but this is her daughter, and her daughter's very, very attached. So we see a lot of Astaire's struggle with trying to provide, now that they don't have any money, as Rob had mentioned, this windfall that that dematerialized in front of them. You know, they're kind of broke. They're struggling a little bit, and, um, you know, here we are driving to the to the vet with a, with a cat. Yeah, Astaire's not super happy about the whole thing, and... Um... At the end of at the end of the first book, which we didn't talk too much about, um, aside from Xanther, who has this unnatural kind of kind of calm and comfort around this this little be- little being, everybody else is just really kind of creeped out, and it does unexplainable things. Like um, I know at the end of the last book, um, they wouldn't let Xanther keep it in her room, but in the morning. Without fail, it was always gone from the laundry room or wherever they had it, and it was up in bed with Xanther and stuff like that. So there was just, I mean, that's, I mean, obviously she could have gone and gotten it, but you got the feeling that wasn't the case. Um, so everybody's just uneasy around this thing, and it's really difficult to figure. I mean, it looks like a like a kitten, but it's like like Livia said, it's it's sick, so they take it to the the vet and. Um, that throws a little wrench in kind of what they thought they knew about this uh, this cat. I don't know how much we want to talk about that. Maybe we'll do a little spoilery stuff for our Patreon people later on. Oh, I'm sure we will. Ooh, I'm certain yeah. of it. Um, yeah, so that's that's really what's going on there. As Rob, Rob put it perfectly, kind of throws a wrench into what they thought about the cat. Um, Astaire, um, subsequently, and, and I'm not even going to try to do it, this in any kind of order because it switches back and forth between characters. So I think maybe if we just kind of talk overall bigger story um, would probably be a little easier. Um, Astaire has a, a chance to basically reapply to um, redo her thesis paper, and she comes up against a new, I don't advisor. know, what's, advisor, is that what it is? Yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not a university person. A new advisor who, um, you know, who really basically hated um her last one, but then steers her in in a in an interesting direction in, in almost a, a supernatural kind of way. It gets steered back to the main subject of our book, which is this cat. 
You know, the interesting thing about um, the the book, this book is definitely way more focused on the the Xanther Anwar Astaire kind of threads of the story. We do see Luther and Osgar and all the rest of them, but um, the like we said, the cat seems sickly and everything seems to be everything seems to like Livia said circle back around to it, especially Xanther, because when she is not at home, where where her cat is. She's experiencing some serious, weird physical effects. Like, so she feels like she's burning up, but everybody thinks she's ice cold to the touch. And um, she just gets sick and disoriented. And some really fucked up things happen at different buildings, which are unexplainable. Um, can I say? Mm, yeah, I mean. I'll, I'll yeah. talk about one. Yeah. Okay. So I'll talk about one that happens. The earliest uh, kind of weird, fucked up thing that happens is they're um, at a vet, and um, they're there for some various things. It's uh, Xanther and Anwar are at this veterinary clinic, and um, in, in a totally unexplained way, um, Xanther starts to feel really weird. And all the doors to all of the cages for all of the animals just fly open. And there's chaos because all these animals are escaped and running around all over the place. So there's kind of un- unexplained, I don't want to say supernatural, but I guess it is supernatural, weird kind of things start happening. Um, typically, but not exclusively around Xanther. Yeah. Um, Luther, during the course of all this, continues to lead his gang. Not much to say there. <laughs> um, Rob's right. The The one nice thing about this book versus the familiar is that it really did zero in on, on Xanther's family. Um, so the majority of it is now Xanther, Astaire, Anwar, where in the other book, I really felt like it was almost, there were a couple of characters that only got touched on a little bit, but it did seem like there was a lot more Jing Jing in the last one. There was a lot more of the wizard. You know what I mean? So this one did kind of narrow the its scope a little bit to focus on what at least appears to be the important part of the story. Um, Jing Jing. Jing Jing. We pick up with him. He is out um, looking for a cat that his aunt lost towards the end of the last book. <laughs> if anyone's going to make the logical leap there, the, the logical conclusion of what might happen to that cat. Um, but basically... He's uh, he's also looking to kind of fall off the 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 drug bandwagon or the the fall off the the, the wagon. <laughs> I probably said that completely wrong. He's he's about to fall off the wagon, so he's definitely considering going back to using uh, using drugs. Can we talk about the drugs in this book for a second? These are not drugs that actually exist, right? I was so I mean, confused about the different balloons and shit that were going on. And yeah, so I, I for initially thought it was heroin, but I think because there are different types, I think this is some new. And they mention at some point in the book, the cops I think are talking about a new drug, right? And it makes you they think it makes you hallucinate or something, right? Yeah. So um, you know, uh, Jing Jing may be heading back to to using drugs, and that may be the drug he's going to use. Um. Not a lot happened with our boy Osgar. Pops up a few times. So we um, can find out about all the crazy sex him and his wife used to have. All the crazy sex. So it, it, in, in the synopsis, it did say that um, some of the stories are starting to come together. And I will say that there's really not any strong connections between Xanther, Anwar, and Astaire with the other list of characters with the exception of like one or two very very minor threads um to the orb people like the wizard mm-hmm. um but suddenly people like luther and osgar and the isandorno threads start working together and right maybe jingjing cuz the, these are all like so you got osgar is the detective luther is the uh, drug dealer and they're both in LA isn't Dorno works for someone who you know may or may not be involved with international drug smuggling and stuff like that so little bits from one storyline become important in another storyline so they are starting to tie together and it's all seems to be around this whole big drug weird drug thing that's going on right so on one side you've got drugs on the other side you have the cat that's really it. And, and I think that kind of the way you broke it down was perfect. Xanther, Astaire, Anwar, and Jing Jing 
are, you know, tied to the cat, as is the wizard. I mean, yep. I guess tied tied to Xanther. And then you've got Osgur, Luther, and Isandorno on the other side, who at this point, at least unless we miss something, are pretty exclusive to drugs and crime. And poor Schnork, the fucking taxi driver that's in the middle of it all, just getting browbeat by his wife for not being an Uber driver. And, um, <laughs> like, his friend is pissed because he asked him to, like, help him, like, uh, I think archive some old files and he forgot yep. to or something. So, <laughs> it's, it's, so it's like, I'm picturing somebody who just finished House of Leaves, right? They look up Daniel Lewski, <laughs> and, of course, like, we come up, you know, as a, as a review of his book, and they listen to this, and they go, wait a minute. The guy who wrote House of Leaves has got a taxi driver whose wife is pissed at him he's not driving for Uber. <laughs> there's a guy who speaks half English, half something else. There's yep. <laughs> there's this cat. What the fuck am I listening it to? It sounds ridiculous, yeah. 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 Um, it, it, and, and it does sound ridiculous. And it doesn't play nearly as ridiculous when you're reading it. So it, it's challenging to read at different times because each character has its own voice and its own um, narrative construct I guess right so with um, with Anwar it's always you know 18 different types of parentheses within one paragraph because it's all these thoughts he has from all over the place you know when you've got um, we talked about Jing Jing who has double spaced lines of text that are in Singlish and you've got um, the wizard which I still think is by far the coolest the traveling orb text yes so um since the wizard's entire character you know the importance in this story is all about the orb and it's also very important part of that character's life because i think we talked about it in the previous episode um there are people who know that they have this i don't even know if you call it technology or whatever they have the orb so they're constantly on the run the wizard and her her companion are constantly on the run and on the lookout for people catching up to them um if the wizard sees something in the orb, the text is written inside an orb. And I, I wish I, I know I'm not doing this justice, but it's written round style, um, which is pretty like cool. a fish islands kind yep. of. But whatever yeah. happens, like whatever she's thinking about or if she decides to take a shower or she's wondering where, where her companion is. That takes place on the opposites on the outside of an orb. So there's like this blank space in the middle of the page and the text is written so that it it creates a blank circle in the middle of the page. It's really, really cool. Uh, for sure. Um, just have to give it props again for the, um, typography and the layout of the book. Masterful. And, um, I want to refer back to when Daniel Lewski said at that reading we were at that he, he types sets as he writes. And that just blows my mind, but I can't imagine a different way to make a book like this. Um, visually the book is just awesome. Um, and it does have a ton of story going on, but I think it's really narrowing down to two kind of major, major plots. It's starting to kind of bring into focus two major plots. Yeah. The book is, the book is absolutely stunning as is everything else. Danieluski has done. Um, what concerns me a little bit, the more I see of Danieluski is, at what point maybe story gets sacrificed and the typography becomes more important. And uh, so let's, let's rehash a little bit. House of Leaves was a brilliant, brilliantly constructed, very, very intricate story. He followed that up with, and, and of course we never saw the paper version of the hundred year sword, but that was the second thing I think he had out. Um, so the version we read, his story was, was pretty good visually very stunning of course we saw it digitally and all kinds of cool shit was happening on the page um after that was I, I never read the is it the whale's toe is that what we decided the whale's toe letter someone corrected <laughs> us on this a couple of years ago i don't remember um yes yeah. yeah but it was like a collection of stuff from house of leaves with a little bit extra or something yeah right? so yeah. I, yeah and i'm sure that was fine um only revolutions <laughs> which i tried to read several times fucking beautiful and goddamn unreadable yeah, and, I'll back that up. And we get to this. <laughs> so this is beautiful. Um, but And I understand these pages don't count as normal pages. We're 1,600 pages into a story. And it's kind of starting to come into focus, I think is what Rob said. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's And I understand it's part of a 26-volume series. But this is so slow-moving. 
it's painful. It's going to be two years before we get to the meat of the story. You realize that, right? Yeah. And I was thinking about, all right. So I was thinking about, um, when we were at that reading, but also when we were talking, uh, in the familiar volume one review about, um, Daniel, he was talking about how, uh, what was it? I think that the 50 year sword ebook, um, was kind of a failure because of the non, um, iOS devices, right? Were essentially just a PDF. Right. Yep. Um, but you have, I mean, like you have to give him credit that the way that he does books is nothing less than revolutionary. And it's, o- it's only revolutionary. Oh, I see what you did. I walked right into that one. Yep. Yep. Um, and I think it's amazing and I think that he should do it. Um, I, I think that I would love to read every one of these books, but it is challenging and it is frustrating. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and, and like I said, don't get me wrong. He is truly an artist. I don't, I don't in my mind when I think Daniel Lewski now, and, and I, I'm sure a lot of people, I think they stop thinking writer and they start thinking artist because you can't say Daniel Lewski without seeing the word house blue on a page or right. without seeing some kind of backwards read it in the mirror text or the, the weird way you read only revolutions, you know? So I, I think he may be, I don't want to say in a category by himself because Rob and I were in a bookstore recently and saw a book that looked like maybe a combination of a Daniel Lewski book along with the book S that we reviewed, you know? So I think other yeah. people are getting into it. Um, but he's right. a goddamn trailblazer, like yes, absolutely, uh, and without question. It, I mean, a brilliant mind. It takes a brilliant mind to put this together because I will say that it doesn't read like some of this was just nonsense. It's all intentional. Yeah, I, yes, no, I agree. But there are long passages in there about things that that you know, are, you just you just know, you know, are just filler. There's and this is what I think. There's that whole bowling thing that happens, right? With Anwar, he goes bowling yeah. with his buddies, and it's like six. And these were fairly dense pages of text about like going bowling and like this little incident that happens after the bowling that that maybe has something to do with something, but really ultimately in this particular volume turned out to be nothing. And, and I'm flipping page after page reading this, and I'm going, my God, there's there's just none of this is important. To anything? It, it's filler. It's how do you get to 830 pages? I didn't feel that way, but it's interesting that you did. Hmm. Yep. Huh. So, um, story-wise, I don't know. Is there anything else we really should need to touch on that's the uh, that's spoiler-free? No, I think we're gonna dig into some seriously cool stuff when we do spoilers on the Patreon exclusive episode. Um, I'm gonna be pushing that as much as possible so people think what Patreon exclusive. I'm gonna go over to Patreon.com/booked and see what's going on. Yeah, but if you uh, if you stay tuned after this review, I'm sure we'll tell you what's going on. I'm sure we're not going to let you out um, in the in the cold on on this one. Um, so I know you have some quotes. I yeah. this five pound book. This book is about five pounds, right? I didn't I didn't get a chance to weigh it. It might even be six pounds worth of book. Um, uh, I didn't know that I was supposed to. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that you had it shipped to you, and your your invoice should say how much it weighs. Oh, I have no idea. I threw that out. Yeah, the Amazon envelope. It is. I got to tell you, Amazon lost out on this one because not only did they sell it to me for like twelve <laughs> bucks, but I'm sure they spent you know six bucks just shipping it to me. So, um, yeah, I can do some quotes. I'm just. I was looking over the different characters to see if there was anything, um, that we could tell. It's not spoily. There's some great stuff I want to talk about with the orb people, but I think we have to we have to spoil stuff to talk about that. Cool. Do you have any quotes? Nope. All right. So um, this reminds me a little bit of from the first book when um, Xanther is hearing the call from the cat. Um, like it's kind of like a sub, I don't know what you would call it, but like psychic kind of call from the cat, right? And they're out in that, they're driving out in this storm and she just runs out of the car out into this like massive storm. Um, out of nowhere uh, to find this cat because she's just drawn to it. And this is um, just a quick quote at the beginning of the book, but it immediately made me think of that. And Xanther's already out of the car like she's been throwing herself out of cars her whole life. 
That was pretty good. I just want to clarify that it's not that I don't think this book was quotable, but like taking photos of pages and trying to figure out what I wanted off of them is something I I, I put aside a while ago. <laughs> so typically, if we have to read a paper book, when when Rob says, "Do you have any quotes?" My answer is going to be like, "No, no, I don't. I don't really have anything." <laughs> so, but that one, and the reason I say that is because when I saw that, I was like, "Do I want to take pictures and try to do quotes this episode?" It was right when I read that line. <laughs> Um, the next one involves a character named Mephisto, who is a mysterious former colleague of Anwar, if I read that correctly, who worked in developing stuff with him but is no longer in the picture, and people refer to him, but they're very vague about it, and you don't really know, right? Can we talk about what an asshole he is, though? Because <laughs> in the first book, I don't remember what the exact circumstances were, but he basically like does like some type of giveaway and uses all of um, Anwar's personal information, like phone number and email oh, right. address and stuff for the contact <laughs> stuff. So through that first book, He's there's this thread of, yeah, the voicemail's full and, you know, and there's, he logs in there, 1,700 emails and all kinds of crazy shit. And that's all Mephisto or Mephisto or whatever you want to say his name is that the, all his doing. So that guy was okay because that's pretty clever shit right there. In unrelated news, I have a contest that I just started. And um, if you want to win, it's area code eight four seven. I'm just kidding. Um, here's the here's the at any rate here's the quote. I'm going to read the quote, and then I might have to do explaining afterwards. But I just like the idea of this. Um, when he was around, Mephisto conjured within Anwar a sense that Anwar had access to parts of himself he could not access with anyone else or even on his own. And that was just that kind of blew my hair back a little bit. Like the idea that like when I'm hanging out with you, Livius. Like, that's when, that's the only time I'd have access to my ability to do certain things. That's where the magic happens. I immediately thought of you. Aw, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little heart <laughs> Because of all the fucking phone calls I'm getting. Uh, here's another one. Uh, I don't know if this was a quote from something. It read like a quote from something, but I did a Google search of it and nothing came up. When the epoch and TF Narcon did not help me at all. When the apocalypse comes, no one will know it as anything but ordinary, even in its finality. It's good stuff. Like I said, there is a lot of quote-worthy stuff in this book. For example, I think this is my last quote, and I've got a couple things that I noted. Uh, yeah, i got a couple notes of things that popped up that were pop culture reference, but this is my last quote. Xanther doesn't understand hurting. Definitely doesn't understand living. Forget understanding how to cope with the uncertainty of getting through an average day. And if you want to talk about a good example of like how a kid thinks, I think that's a really good kid perspective, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Ready for some shit? Um, yes. I'm going to blow your mind here. Did you notice the always came back? No, I didn't. So in our episode for Familiar Volume 1, Livius had mentioned that um, Always, spelled with two L's, A-L-L-W-A-Y-S, was something that came up multiple times, I think three times in the Familiar Volume 1. And he took that as a callback to House of Leaves, right? Mm-hmm. Hallways, Always, that whole thing? Yep. Page 605 and 619, it comes up. Very nice. I pointed I did it. Catch. Yeah, I noted it. I was like, Livius is Always... I did catch that um, house appears in this book in the color blue. Oh, shit. I did not catch that. Yeah. It's towards the end. I, I'm flipping through the last because there was something else I was going to mention that I thought was cool. But, um, yeah, house does pop up in somewhere in the last 10 to 20% of the book. Nice. Yeah. So, again, references to, and then it makes you wonder, is the world that encompasses House of Leaves the same world that that this shit is going on in because it's got that kind of creepy every now and then just shit's really unsettlingly not right kind of feel which you get a lot in house of leaves so i could very much believe that they they live that they occupy the same space See, and i hate that because that will fucking keep me reading like you know what i mean like it's just <laughs> until like yeah the promise of yeah. that or, or the hint of that um I will say that there is a part where um, the the attention um, door is open meant, mm-hmm. uh, is done in one, two, three, four, uh, nine different languages. And the final language 
is uh is uh, what'd you call it her romerican romanican romanican it's uh it's in romanian Hey, look at that! And you read. Well, it was just you, one of those weird. Well, it was one of those weird things because I flipped the page and that's what jumped out at me. And I was like, "Is this whole paragraph?" And I was like, "No, no, it's just that one in Romanian." Because <laughs> that was for some reason, probably because of familiarity, it's the first thing that jumped out to me as readable. Yeah. So. Huh? Maybe he like maybe he knew he when he met you at at <laughs> the bookseller and he's like, "I got there was some Romanian in there." That's that's uh, yep, yep. Um, couple pop culture references on page 772, so toward the very end of the book. Um, they're playing a game. Uh, Xanther has some friends over, and they're playing a game called Limbo. Livius, are you aware of this game at all? Yes, as a matter of fact, I have played Limbo. That's like, um, so I think it came out, I want to say 2012 maybe. And I, I remember seeing a lot of people that I work with playing it and thinking like, that's such a creepy game. It's like a creepy looking game, but it looks fun, but I never got into it. Yeah, it's um I actually played it on um PlayStation 4. Yeah. Um I think the phone that I was using at the time it came out cuz I wanted to play it and I couldn't get it to load. So I don't know if I just didn't have a strong enough graphics card or whatever. It's a very very pretty game and it's it's very dark and weird. Um, I did not finish it. I do believe that I'm better than halfway through it. I, I I will likely go back at some point, but because of Call of Duty, which is mentioned like the page before Limbo, I'm <laughs> unable to play anything else. So nice. Yeah, yeah. But no, Limbo is. If you ever get a chance, it it is a it, it's a fun game. I might have to check it out. I know it was available on like iPhones and iPads and stuff like that. I uh, just never get around to it. Actually, I think I. I may even own it. Anyway, um, the other thing I wanted to point out that I thought was interesting was something that we talked about on our, not this year's, but last year's um, Spooktacular. I don't know if we talked specifically about this, but the group of girls that lured their friends into the forest and stabbed them to death for Slenderman yes. came up in this book, which is a very recent, not very, very recent, but within the last couple of years story. And... Um, we woven in well with the uh, the story and the paranoia um, around trying to keep Xanther safe and stuff like that. So I thought that was well done. Indeed. You ready to uh, wrap up? Yeah, why don't you kick it off? All right. Um, there are very few things in this world that I want to love more than a, a Daniel Lewski book. I mean, I'll be honest. Those th- And when I say that, there are things I just love. And then there are those things that you know I, I really want to be into. And Man, I just didn't feel it with this book. So I'm going to do like a thumbs up, kind of thumbs down for, for this book. I think is the best way to handle this. So here's here's the here's the good. I fucking love Xanther. I love Xanther. I love her story. It's all I do is I I, I look in the corners because you can see the colors. And I looked for, for the pink to know that's coming up to another Xanther passage. Because I knew that would be easy, not, not easy, enjoyable, quick into it reading. And then I dreaded seeing, you know, brown for Schnork or, um, you know, whatever the, the yellow for, for Isadorno, whatever. So some of the other characters I couldn't care about any less, any less than I do. Um, that being said, there are some very interesting things we didn't, couldn't, won't talk about on this particular episode, um, because they're spoilery and the story does begin to get more interesting. Um, part of the problem is I feel like there's so much filler around it at this kind of desperation. To me, it seemed, again, that a desperation to keep these books six and a half pounds, 800 pages, um, that if this was pared down a little bit, we'd we'd uh, we'd have some really, really great storytelling. I love Daniel Lewski's art and his style. Um, you know, so that definitely is a is a huge thumbs up for me turning the pages. There's a section towards the end that's got text with these red splatters. And immediately I thought like, how do I get this to poster size to put on a wall? Cause I want to see this every single day. Um, but we have some kind of murky storytelling with some of these other characters. I, I understand it's coming together, but it's coming together over a long period of time. I, uh, there are people who read books and this is going to shock a lot of you. It might shock Rob, but people who go, Oh yeah, over a course of three months, I read this book and Rob and I are, are very accustomed to and, and forced to, in, in a lot of cases, knock out a book in six or seven days. So for somebody who reads, you know, who just wants to read, you know, 15, 20, 30 pages every night before bed, this is perfect because right when you get to the end of this one, the next one will be out and you'll be able to move right into, into that one. 
for me, the the first two books have moved just entirely too slowly. I, I gave the first one kind of the benefit of the doubt because it was the initial one and there was some setup and I was just hoping for better this time. Uh, thumbs down, I didn't get that. Um, it just wasn't um, wasn't what I had hoped it was uh, it would be. So I, I don't know. I mean, Rob may convince me to go to three. Something would have to happen on my own. I don't think I'll be picking up the familiar volume three. So uh, all that being said, I'm going to go two stars on this one. Fuck, dude. I don't remember. I don't remember last time I didn't want to pick up a book as much as this. I honestly can't remember what the last book was because even then, it was a book I wasn't enjoying. I was like, nah, got 150 pages left. I'll knock this out in an hour, hour and a half, and and the, I just wasn't feeling this one at all. Sad. I'm gonna get real on you, motherfuckers. I don't know how I'm gonna live up to that like really bold thing I just said, but um, here's my thoughts on the book. So, um. If you're looking at it purely from the story, it's great. I like the evolution of the Xanther story with her cat and how it ties in with um, her whole family. And I do find what I understand of the drug story really interesting. There's some really cool stuff that happens with like the weird wizard orb people, too. So story-wise, I think it does a good job. Um... I was thinking about pacing when Livius was um, was doing his wrap-up, and I was thinking about how, and I don't remember the exact quote, but Daniel Lewski was talking about how his different books have taken on different things, and The Familiar is, is taking on um, television. So the way that the book is laid out is basically um, almost like different channels. I think we talked about this last time. So each new chapter essentially is a section of someone else's story. So it's either channels or shows, however you want to kind of equivalent that. Um, and so in a way, you've got like a TV show kind of breakdown, like a TV channel breakdown or whatever within a book. But my thought is, if you look at the model of a TV show where a viewer reads, an, or um, excuse me, watches a new episode every week versus a viewer who waits for the entire season to be done and binges it. Where are you going to benefit more? And with this, I think Livius is right. This is kind of paced in a way that by the time you get done with this book, you're going to be pretty close to getting the next one. Um, if this were something where all of the volumes were out at the same time, I would I would imagine it that it would be more paced for binging, where you could just get through all 27 books pretty quickly. But since it is paced out every six-ish months, yeah, it, it's going to need uh, a little more weight to get you through that. So I think the TV analogy works, and I think it's very intentional the way the book is made. Um, if we didn't have to read it, like I read 80% of this book yesterday, which is fucking insane... Um, I think that if we didn't have to read it so fast, we could kind of just spend some time living in it and and not pushing our stressing ourselves to to process it so fastly. So I really I don't hold any of the pacing against the book because I don't think it's written to be read the way that at least I read it. Um all that being said, I still I still dig the series, man, and I think he's got a really good thing going on, but like I told Livius earlier, you know, I worry about how I'm going to be able to maintain through the whole series just because of our hectic schedule with the podcast and everything. So, but that's not anything against the book. I think he did a good job elevating the story to a new level and, um, with the right pacing and the right, you know, kind of approach, it's a very enjoyable read. So I'm going, I'm going above and beyond Livius and I'm going to give this four stars. All right. Um, during this review, um, which Rob and I, we haven't been this, but I guess we were split on the G.G. Allen thing pretty hard. <laughs> but other than that, I don't think there's really been anything we've been that far apart on. Yeah, we've been pretty uh, synced up lately, I think, with our reviews. But I had to give Danieluski credit for this one. I liked it. Yeah. Good, yeah. Um, there are other things that we both liked. And those, um, as we've mentioned a couple of times during the episode, if you were confused by what you were hearing, um Patreon, Patreon supporters at a certain level, which is um, $5 a month or more, <laughs> get um, 
a spoiler bit. So Rob and I talked for about 15 minutes just now, which was all super spoilery stuff. Um, in a, I don't want to say that we typically do like a real professional back. It was a lot more chit chat about fucked up <laughs> shit than than yeah. it is you know we do during a review. Um, that's over available at Patreon, um, which we're going to talk just a little bit about now. Um, we've been asked, we promised, and we've been asked for reward levels and stuff. So Rob and I spent some time a week and a half ago. We came up with some reward levels. Um, there's a video on the Patreon page. It's probably on YouTube on our YouTube channel too. I think yes, it is. Yeah, um, you can go check that out. But basically, there are different tiers now, and you get different things, including my personal favorite, um, the booked coffee mug. Forthcoming, forthcoming. I've been wanting a booked coffee mug. I have three. I've been wanting there to be a book coffee <laughs> mug available for everybody for like three years now, and it's finally coming to pass. But there's some really cool stuff available. You can go watch a video of me and Rob in the mobile book studio, um, the Kia studio, um, and we'll, we talk all about it over there. We're not going to spend a ton of time. We will mention it here every week, though, so spoilers for books. If, it's, if there's something worth talking about off the air, so to speak, it will be recorded and placed over at patreon.com slash booked. Go check it out. Boom. And speaking of things that you can uh, sign up for and get from Booked, um, we wouldn't, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the newsletter. Ryan, our marketing intern, has worked doggedly um, to to try and get people signing up for it. He's taken us into bathrooms and taken pictures of us. Um, so he's working really hard, and we want to make sure that you help him keep his job. So here's a little bit from Ryan about. Um, the newsletter and what you can do to get some cool content from us. Hey, this is Ryan McRae, the marketing intern for the Booked Podcast. I hope you had a great turkey day filled with stuffing and political fights. I'm 98% done with Worm. Yep, 98%. I've been putting some work into it. I just have to finish the epilogue, and the epilogue is so long. I don't know what I'll read next after this, but if you have some recommendations, I'd love to know. The newsletter for The Booked Podcast is coming out soon, so if you're listening, head on over to thebookedpodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter, and we'll send you the booked anthology in any form you desire. Sanskrit, Morse code, watercolor, whatever. So, all right, sign up at bookpodcast.com. Thanks, and on with the show. All right, to clarify, really what you're going to get is an EPUB, a Mobi, or a PDF file. Um because uh, I can write one of the stories in crayon. Maybe we'll put that as a Patreon reward where I hand write one of the stories, but we're not doing whatever that other stuff is. Sanskrit is like one of the most dead. I think, I mean, cuneiform might be a little more of a dead and ancient language, but come on. <laughs> it's dead like David Foster Wallace. Oh, wow. Why did you go there? I don't know because I was because this fucking book is haunting me because I was thinking this must be what it's like to read David Foster Wallace pages and pages and pages where you're like I don't even know what this is saying anymore. Wow. Um, speaking of pages and pages and pages, Ryan said he was ninety eight percent of the way through that book, The Worm, which I want to remind you is one point seven five million words. That guy um, apparently reads at a pace that is greater than ours. Yeah. So um, congrats to him. We're looking forward to hopefully getting a mini review of the longest book ever written. <laughs> like just a really short review of the longest <laughs> book ever written. We're like, um, we want you to talk about this almost two million word uh, book, but we're only going to give you three minutes. <laughs> basically. So we're going to see if we can convince Ryan to throw together a mini review. So who knows? Maybe our next episode will contain a, a, a mini review of Worm. The longest book um, ever written, I think. And not to be confused with Neil Smith's Worm, which is not the longest book ever written. Not even the longest <laughs> book ever written by Neil Smith, I don't think. Uh, he, Ryan did actually update his Facebook today to say that he did finish the book as well. So he got through that epilogue. Very exciting. It's a cool concept. And, and that's the, this podcast, that would have to be a lazy summer podcast thing like where, where I would attempt to read something like that. I'd need months. Of. The messed up thing is he was liking it throughout. Like, I know you were struggling with this 880 page book, but like I talked to him. He's like, yeah, I'm 92% in man. So good. And it's like, that's a hard thing to do. Yep. And what the fuck is he asking for recommendations from? Does he not work for a podcast that recommends books? 
Well, now we can catch up on the Danielewski books, man. There, there you go. He's going to be like, yeah, so yesterday afternoon I read The Familiar. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that guy. And then after dinner I read Volume 2. When's this third one coming <laughs> out? So. Yeah. Yeah. But a big thanks to Ryan for all the work he's done. Definitely go over subscribe um, for the newsletter. Listen, current newsletter subscribers will tell you we have not bothered them one bit. Not one little bit. Not even a little bit. Yep. So we plan on not bothering you a whole lot either if you're not a current <laughs> subscriber to the newsletter. We promise. What else we got for tonight, Rob? I uh, just want to point out that um, our homeboys, David James Keaton and Michael Wilson, kind of got something going on together. This is a lot like, you know, oh, I have this friend from school, and then I have this friend from the neighborhood, and then they met, and now they're off doing stuff without me. That's kind of how it feels a little bit. Man, every, like, all the time, all the time we do this, we we know cool person A and cool person B, and all of a sudden they're a and b in, and we're like, see you later. That's a terrible thing I just said there. Yeah, I don't know. Yes, I'm sure that that's somewhat accurate what you said. (laughs) Where's anyway? We, we here's here's what happened. We know a bunch of cool people, and then we made the choice to lock ourselves in the room reading books all the time, so they're out having fun without us. Yeah, yeah. So even though David James Keaton has fallen off the booked map, was he even on this year at all? This calendar year? Yeah, dude. Last projector came out this year. Yeah, was that was that this year? Yeah. All right, maybe it was this year. Are you challenging me on that? No, but it just feels like it's been a really long time because he's been on this is horror like eighteen times. Has he? I don't know. I think it's like two or three. <laughs> what he's trying to say is that David James Keaton is the latest episode of This Is Horror. Not only is he the latest episode, but this isn't even an interview. It's actually a live reading. And by live reading, I mean, it was Keaton sitting in front of his um, cricket chirping filled computer um, reading a story. Yeah. And the story is And I'll Scratch Yours, which is um, one of the stories from his collection Stealing propeller hats from the dead, um, which he credit <laughs> he credits. I know the whole backstory behind this, but I'm not going to reveal it. Um, he credits as being a live reading from Tony Baloney's Pan Galactic Shit Show in downtown New Jersey. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but it's a David James Keaton story. So um, get over there and listen to that. It's going to be good. Um, yep. So do that. Hey, Rob. It's now. Um, it's now Cyber Monday. We're recording this. Did you Did you do a lot of Black Friday Cyber Cyber Monday shopping? No, no, I didn't buy anything. However, um, just jumping back one second. March twentieth was the release of the last projector. No, um, I didn't shop. Did I buy anything at all? Oh, you know what? Um, I had. I had. Uh, a $50 gift card to Old Navy. Hmm. So I shopped online on Friday. I did it backwards. I, I, I shopped online on Friday. Yep. Um, for some, like a winter cargo, cargo, cargo shorts, cargo shorts. Yeah. Yeah. It's all they sell at Old Navy. I think it's just cargo shorts. <laughs> and then, um, Oh, you know what? I did go out on black Friday for, um, for some beer. Oh, black Friday beer. Very nice. Yeah. Nice. Goose Island releases its Bourbon County uh, Stout on Black Friday every year, and um, I wasn't super successful, but I got three bottles, so I'm pretty I'm pretty happy about that. Did, what about, were, you, were you able to get that from one place, or did you have to like go to multiple places to scrounge together three bottles? Two different places. Okay. Yeah, but I got it. What about which is, you? What? Uh, which is cool. I honestly, um, God, this year I was so unimpressed with. The whole black for so first of all black friday is not even a thing anymore um neither is cyber monday so rob and i both work in retail and i don't know if you noticed this rob or not but it was black friday every day for the last 30 days at least yeah and, it's like black november yeah and cyber monday started last wednesday for most places and it's just really really weird no no you know what i bought a little bit of vape stuff um online and, and that was it it's got to be the least amount of money i've ever spent on like a black friday weekend this year, just uh, it was about as unexciting as Black Friday has ever been. What was that new vape place you heard of? Was it Tarzan the Vape Man? No, no. What well, we were talking, I don't, did we talk at all about it on the last episode? Darth Vapor, <laughs> the, the place, the place in Chicago that I found on my on my uh, 
on my it. vape shops near me app. Uh. Um, so we found that in Chicago. We didn't go to the place, but it's something that popped up. But no, I get I get really I don't know mad at myself that I don't think of these things first. <laughs> so I was on I was on Facebook before we um, before we started this. I scroll my thing. I told her, I go, God damn it! I go, I'm so pissed. Why I don't think of these things first? He's like, What are you talking about? I go, There's a new vape uh, juice line called Vaporham Lincoln. <laughs> just fucking brilliant, brilliant. Oh, that guy deserves your... tens of dollars on his e juice for for that name. Tens of dollars. That's what you have to start a Tumblr called like the best vape names or something like that. Oh, you know what? I'd probably get a lot of hits. On You'd that. probably get a lot of traffic. Yeah, so uh, that's it. But no, no, yeah, not a lot, not a lot. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe I spent a hundred bucks, which is pretty light for Black Friday weekend for me. So I well, I had the gift card, so that didn't probably, cost me. Yeah. But like yeah. the beer, thirty bucks. Beer is a standard part of your diet. It doesn't matter. Those Black Friday, it just happened to be when it hit. Just it's the beer that's available that day. I almost oh, I I did um, enter a raffle. To win, you're gonna kill me. You're gonna hate. You're you're just gonna. You're not gonna like this. So I entered this raffle to win the opportunity to buy one bottle of beer for two hundred fifty dollars. Please tell me what this bottle of beer consists of. So it's made by Sam Adams, and it's a beer called Utopias, and it is like one of the most rare beers. Rare and sought-after beers in existence, and a place nearby actually had a bottle, so they were raffling, um, raffling off for who would be able to uh, buy it. Um, Two hundred fifty dollars retail. That's not even a marked-up price. That's like legit retail. What what goes into the? I mean, how? I, I mean, I I get that it's rare because they make very few bottles, but w- what is it that makes this special? Hold on a second. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go to to some resources for that for you. I totally thought with the type of beer that you drank that Sam Adams would be like, like that's like the Budweiser of the stuff you drink. Not this, man. This is like... Um, well, no, you know what I mean. It's like microbrewery, microbrewery, and then you got Sam Adams, which is, you know, national. Like, you buy that shit at Jewel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah. Which, I don't know, man. Not a big fan of Sam Adams, but... Um, <laughs> but the opportunity to buy this $250 bottle of beer. All right, here we go. The Samuel Adams Utopias is brewed in small, limited batches each... Their own blend of different vintages. We brew Utopias at a very high gravity using a wide variety of malted barley and a touch of maple syrup. It is then aged in a blend of scotch, bourbon, port, and cognac casks for the award-winning from the award-winning Buffalo Trace Distillery. So basically what they do is they, they make the beer, then they age it in those different um, barrels, and then they blend it with um, previous vintages of Utopias. So basically, like, blending will just give you a better overall flavor because you're getting kind of like, you know, the best of, of different vintages. So, um, but they make, I think they make something like a thousand bottles a year or something like that. So it's like almost impossible to get your hands on. Dude, that's weird. First of all, I, th- I find it interesting that they So I'm guessing this process is they, they make the beer, right? Then they put it in a bourbon barrel for, I don't know how long aging is. So mm-hmm. six months, three months, whatever. Then they take it and they just pour it into a barrel that had cognac in it before. Is that, I mean, am I, am I seeing this right? Well, they age it in different barrels, like the cognac barrel, the scotch barrel, the bourbon barrel. But I'm saying, they, 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 but it's like one at a time. You're not talking about utopias. Is just kind of like some of them were done in bourbon, some were done in cognac. Like that particular, the, the beer that, you may, that you're going to buy went through like four different barrels, right? I'm guessing, or different parts were aged in different barrels and then mixed together. Oh, and mixed together, yeah. No, yeah. no, that works too. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Because in anything else, you understand anything else in the world, you really want to really wash out the pan really well before you make anything else, or your cake tastes like <laughs> fucking fish or something weird, right? Like, I get I get what you're saying, um, but the idea with this is like it's aging in that. In that wood that's also had the had touched the liquor, so you're getting the wood um, wood flavoring, but like you're also getting the flavor from the liquor that used to be in there. So it's a good thing. No, no, I, I it's just it, it's it's such a weird concept. I, I I don't doubt that this makes it taste better. It's just such a weird. It's like I'm gonna go drink a diet coke, but I'm gonna put it in a glass that I used for drinking Seven Up and didn't wash out. <laughs> so oh, that's not maybe. how people. I do that like every day of my life. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's just called not fucking washing your dishes. The, gla- <laughs> the glass I'm drinking this beer out of is the glass I drank beer out of last night. No, that's not God. how people do that. Well, I hope that you win the raffle. And what does the I raffle ticket cost? I didn't get the raffle. No, the raffle oh. ticket was was just a free thing. Oh, okay. Like you just got a ticket for going in. But I did not. They already did the drawing, and I didn't win. Which the upside to that is I'm not spending $250 on one bottle of beer. <laughs> I was actually going to say, oh, no, Rob, I'm pretty sure you won $250. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's craziness, man. But you know what? It's something that you can... Um, that, that there's something like that out there, that there's something to strive for other than just saying, hey, I like Corona a lot, so I'm going to buy Corona all the time. You know, that there's limited editions of things and special versions. and Yeah. Ooh, I just went to their website, and um, the the it went unclaimed. So they drew another ticket, and it's also not my ticket. So you won twice. $500 <laughs> by my math. My sketchy math. So, at any rate, um, next episode, we will not be reviewing a book. That being said, we're not 100% certain what you'll be hearing. We do have something in the works. If scheduling goes uh, as planned, you'll be hearing a kind of half interlude, half interview episode. Maybe a review from Ryan on Worm. Um, but uh, until then, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.